0: Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities, from Kentucky Humanities, where we've been telling Kentucky stories for 45 years. Here is your host, Bill Goodman.
1: Michael Austin is a professor of philosophy at Eastern Kentucky University and a member of the Kentucky Humanities uh, Speakers Bureau. He speaks on a variety of subjects, um, uh, and and they're titled uh, Social Media and the Pursuit of Happiness and Becoming Good, which maybe we all need a dose of uh, or a reminder every now and then. Michael, welcome to the microphone.
0: Thank you very much. Appreciate it.
1: Tell me, first of all, a little bit about you and um, your love of philosophy and how you uh, became a philosopher. Honestly, I don't know too many philosophers. I, I think I've, I've read about them and read of them, but I, I've not known them. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm good. glad to have you across the table from me.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. My uh, undergraduate degree was actually in political science, but the courses I enjoyed the most um, back at that time were the, a handful of philosophy classes. Um, so that was part of it. And then re- for me, it was actually questions, kind of the big questions that philosophers ask, you know, questions about... Um, character, right and wrong, the existence of God, and I got interested enough in those things that I decided to go to graduate school. And you know, after I survived that process, I actually ended up getting a job at EKU, Eastern Kentucky, here in or down in Richmond, back in 2004. So I've been here since then
1: and uh, survived as a philosopher in this uh, STEM world. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But uh, we'll talk a little bit about that in, in a moment. Um, are you, where are you from originally?
0: I uh, grew up in Kansas City on the Kansas side uh, of town. Um, so yeah, my whole life grew up there.
1: And how do you like Kentucky?
0: It's good. Yeah, we've been here since 2004. Um, it was a little change from grad school. Got my PhD at Boulder or University of Colorado in Boulder. So Boulder, wow. Colorado is a little Why did stay different. there? Well, yeah, <laughs> they didn't give me a job. So <laughs> yeah, um, but it's been good. Yeah, it's been good for our family, raised our kids here. A couple of them are at Western. And I'm once a senior in high school. So.
1: Tell me what you, um, um, you, you teach, how many courses in, in, in your discipline?
0: Yeah, we teach, I usually teach four a semester. Um, in the fall, though, I just teach in the honors program at EKU. So that's, that's more, it's like an introductory course for all the honors students. So I teach Plato's Republic and actually questions related to some of the, the writing and speaking I do about the, the nature of the good life and happiness. Uh, I teach ethics classes, philosophy of religion classes, one on technology and values. Uh, A professor in the political science or government department and I are teaching a course in the spring for the first time called the philosophy and politics of soccer. So it's a way to sort of bring, you know, get into those questions through, uh, you know, the world's favorite sport.
1: I love those titles. And uh, you also, and you wrote uh, a few years ago, football and philosophy, which was, was that a, uh, um, a compilation of uh, of essays, or what? What was that book?
0: Yeah, that's right. That was uh, I edited it. So I wrote one chapter, and then there are you know around twelve or thirteen other um, people. That's most of them philosophers um, with interest in sports and sports ethics, writing stuff um, related to football and philosophical themes.
1: A- and you have that interest too in, in philosophy and sports?
0: Yeah, that's right. Both in my, my scholarship, I've done some stuff on sport like character development in sports um, and some ethics in sports and then I and that's also relevant. I mean, some of the stuff philosophers do isn't obviously relevant right away to sort of everyday life of a you know, someone who's not a philosophy professor, but, but that's one that is. And some of those questions about character, about what matters, Uh, about who we are who we are becoming you know sport is such a big part of pretty much any culture right it shows up across cultures and so it's a big part of uh, a way that human nature gets expressed and revealed so so i have interest in thinking about that in ways that that are useful and helpful to you know coaches athletes fans that kind of thing
1: should everyone read plato's republic
0: everyone that's a good question um, it would make me happy if they did, but why? Well, be- those questions, it's pretty interesting because my work as a graduate student, I took one class in Plato. Um, so I wasn't really a hist- more of a history, historian of philosophy, more contemporary ethical ideas, but, but those perennial questions, even the ones I mentioned about God, about the, the relationship between the state and the individual, right? Individual rights versus the common good and all those kind of things. Some of Plato's answers strike us as pretty odd, but at least he thinks about them in, in deep and reflective ways, and we need more of that. So I think it's it's good, even if you, you read something from The Republic and you think, what, this guy's crazy, which some of my students, and even I think sometimes, um, but it spurs you to think about those questions in clear and uh, reflective manner that, that then we can bring those same questions to today and think about them instead of just react like we often tend to do
1: the young people that you have in your honors program have they been exposed to uh, to the to the Greek philosophers or, or any philosophy before they they get to uh, the university level
0: most of them no. it's pretty rare um, you know it's not really a course taught in in high schools sometimes like a probably the most common would be a student that's gone to a Catholic high school has taught a little, or learned a little philosophy a little ancient Greek a little Aquinas that kind of thing uh, there is a movement um, even one of our professors in Richmond, Laura Newhart, for philosophy for children and those kind of things. And so ch- just using philosophy as a way to get them to think and really develops those critical thinking skills, which no matter what you're doing, they're useful. Um,
1: and that is uh, sort of an introduction to uh, one of my favorite uh, topics uh, these days, and that's uh, the, uh, the coexistence uh, or maybe the division, as some people uh, would term it, of um, humanities of which philosophy is uh, a big part of, and STEM science, mm-hmm. technology, engineering, and math courses, and this um, seeming debate—maybe some would call it a, a false um, debate—between uh, uh, how, uh, in a STEM world, you can you can still uh, use and should learn uh, humanities, and and how it can enhance your work in STEM. So. You, you've thought deeply as a philosopher, haven't you, Michael, about these subjects? So, so talk to me a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, I think that's really important. And I think, you know, as a parent with kids in college and, and their majors, I have the same concerns that any parent would, right, that you want them to get a job when they get out. Um, so there's a couple places where, for the humanities, you know, philosophy, history, literature can play a role. One is if a student's passionate about that and wants to major in it, there are jobs um, for that kind of a student. I mean, I'm more familiar with my discipline, but I uh, recently read, which surprised me, that uh, I think in 2014 the average salary for someone who had a BA in philosophy, starting salary was forty-nine thousand, which that sounds pretty good. Um, but I, but I think what's hard is is, is that there's not a ready-made path, right? Uh, to, if you have a BA in history or philosophy, it's more you've got to show a little initiative. But the skills you develop help you succeed and they're transferable across different contexts. Um,
1: and what are those skills?
0: Yeah, for sure, critical thinking skills, um, the ability to write clearly, uh, to think clearly, logically, analytically. And this is, I mean, I talked to a friend of mine several years ago who was a manager at IBM, and we we discussed some of this, and he just talked about, I told him I was telling my students this, and I wanted to make sure that I was right. I'd read it, but that that what someone like him wants is somebody who can take information a lot of information condense it and communicate it clearly both verbally and in written form and that's what uh humanities education and for sure philosophy does um because those skills i found it easier to do to write in other fields when i've crept into those in my popular level writing because of the hard work i've done in philosophy so especially in a i mean look in our culture of the technology changes quickly people often have five or six career changes over the course of their lives so it's Education is good to help you get that first job, like a, if you're interested in a STEM field. Um, but you can go into humanities degree and find a job. But those, those skills you learn help in STEM as well, not just with the, the critical thinking skills, that's part of it, they'll the augment and supplement your STEM education. But thinking, stepping back for a step or two and thinking, well, you know, what's the point of all this, right? This sort of relentless push forward of progress, which I love technology as much as anybody, but, but we want it to find its proper place in our lives. And, and those kind of, a few courses in the humanities um, can help a STEM major do that so that they can integrate who they are with their job and, and think about it, right? And, and yeah, fit their career in those fields into something that's going to help other people and themselves flourish.
1: So how do you how do we uh, promote uh, at the university level especially uh, and maybe it starts in, uh, in, in high schools uh, across the nation and even in Kentucky how do we promote the idea that um, students can learn science and biology and pre-engineering and pre-med um, at the same time they're reading the republic or that they are uh, writing uh, essays. Um, it seems like today our education system uh, is intent on separating and dividing the two, that you're only on a track to become an engineer or, or a philosopher or an uh, English professor of some sort. How would you suggest we convince the higher-ups that uh, these two uh, can coexist?
0: Yeah, one, one thing that jumps to mind is just We don't realize how unique and valuable the kind of education that incorporates both of those, all those fields together, Um, right? And so, one, it's in educating the whole person, right? A college education is about, it is about job preparation, but historically, and and I think most professors still feel this way, and it's about developing citizens in a democracy um giving having students have the i mean you never when in the rest of your life unless you're really intentional will you have the chance just to read through parts of plato's republic or aristotle's ethics or you know crime and punishment from dostoevsky or whatever it is those things are part of what make us human beings i mean that's why they're the humanities right the while i love my dogs i know right now they're not sitting around my backyard thinking about, you know, what does it mean to be a dog? <laughs> it's just not what they do. But but we do that, you know. And so students can do that. We have, you know, a lot of students from around the world come here because of that feature of our education. So I don't think we want to lose it. So there's two things. It makes It's going to prepare a better educated citizenry, right, whether the Commonwealth or the nation. It helps individuals and communities flourish because values and ideals are at the heart of a flourishing community and a, a, a flourishing good human life um, that leads to to a deeper form of happiness that I think we all want.
1: The two uh, talks uh, that you um, present as a member of the Kentucky Humanity Speakers Bureau uh, are social media and the pursuit of happiness and becoming good. Let's talk about social media and the pursuit of happiness. And uh, if this is not a a, a topic that uh, I think audiences all across the state of Kentucky uh, would be interested in, whether they're uh, of a certain age um, or whether they're young people. um, Let's face it, everybody has a smartphone or a phone of some sort or a tablet or um, an e-reader or whatever. And um, it's amazing to me. I I don't know if, I mean, it it goes without saying it's trite, uh, but, but I mean, everybody's they are there on those devices all the time. And, and uh, you have some thoughts about that.
0: Yeah. And it's, you know, it's sort of a truism or cliche that technology is neutral. Um, it's what we do with it. And, and part of that is true. But in, in the social media and happiness talk, I, I make the point that technologies are also set up right certain ways, right? They sort of funnel you in certain directions or to have certain attitudes. So for example, I mean, when you, you know, people share something on Facebook, you know, say they have a thousand quote friends on Facebook. I mean, it sort of sets the situation up where you're kind of constantly delivering your Christmas letter. You know, people, I mean, sometimes they still do that, but this Christmas letter here, the vacations we went on, here's how great my kids are. You know, it's always sort of this, yeah, it's like getting up on a soapbox and just telling people what you, all the great things about your life or what you had for lunch or whatever. But there's something about social media and one that got me interested in it is I had the opportunity to go give a lecture overseas and one of my first thought, because I was so excited, it was free. You know, philosophers don't get paid trips very much. So okay. I was excited, was to tell my wife the second was to say something on Facebook. And then the third thought was, well, why is that the one of the first things coming to my mind? That's just odd. Um, so I was actually off social media for several years and then back on it recently. So it, but I think it can have a place in our lives but it's just like anything else. We wanna have, think about our values, what we care about, and let those dictate how we use social media rather than let it sort of shape us. Um,
1: You were off social media uh, on purpose? Yeah, on purpose, yeah. Then why'd you get back on?
0: That's a good, well, part of it was, I wanted to, a couple things. One is kind of what everybody says, so I'm away from my family and I actually actually do communicate more with like my cousins in Kansas City and things like that now than I used to. And because a lot of the work I'm trying to do now, I still do some stuff aimed at other scholars, you know, academics, but a lot of my speaking and writing, I'm trying to take these ideas and show that they can enrich, you know, regular people's lives. Um, And social media is a good way to just, you know, to do that. It's a good avenue for it, so.
1: Why do people, why do some people choose to be so personal on, on Facebook?
0: yeah that is a really good question um when i did research for that talk i've given several different versions of it a lot of the stuff that i look at is what psychologists have done and while that's not my field i can they're good at sort of you know here's here's what we found from this that's a question look sometimes it's i don't know i think it i think this goes back to philosophical ideas in part we have this longing for connection and in in a culture where People are, more, like, my, my family's a good example. We never wanted to move um, four or five places, but we ended up doing that because of school and work. People aren't rooted. Now, Kentucky's a little different, right? We tend to be more, stay closer to home um, than some places in the country. But I think that's part of it. People don't have those deep connections, and so they, social media is a way to express and fulfill that need. And I don't think it does it nearly as well, and there's evidence for this from the research as a face-to-face interaction. But I think that's part of it. For some people, it's, it might enable their well, not mine. it does according to psychological studies, their narcissistic tendencies. So for some people it that really is it can make those worse or just give them another avenue to express it. But yeah, I, I see people sometimes friends, sometimes uh, former students, I coach high school soccer, right? So there's not really my players, but yeah, you just see things that people say come across your feet. I'm like, I wouldn't announce it in a room with ten people, much less put on the internet. Um but I think it is that longing for connection is part of it. Uh,
1: the description of your uh, talk in our uh, magazine um, uh, says that you'll offer some practical advice for using social media in a way that supports rather than undermines our pursuit of happiness. What, what are those uh, aspects uh, that you talk about, the practical advice?
0: Yeah, one thing is I, I tell them, I encourage people, one of the practical things is just to take a month break from social media um and just see what that does so that's one way because i think it it can be addicting and um i found it helpful now that i'm back on just to take it off of my smartphone right so that i have to be at a tablet or computer and then it's just not you know when you sit and wait the tendency now is to pull up your something on your phone and look at it my students before class you know 10 years ago they came to class and those that got here 10 minutes early were talking to each other now they tend to just, you look around, they're all on their phones. Um, so just breaking that a little bit. The other thing is to be intentional about how you use it, right? So if if you're like I was and you kind of think, why am I, I don't need to be talking about myself. That shouldn't be one of my first impulses when something good happens. Um, be more intentional about congratulating other people, right? Of um, good things that, that are happening. Using it as a way to encourage people rather than just talk about yourself. Um, I think too, the third one I give is, to have set spaces or times to do it and then just put it aside. And I think that's true for technology in general. There's a book, um, Hamlet's Blackberry, and I've lost the the author's name. Um, He has really practical... Hamlet's Blackberry? Yeah. That
1: sounds like a great title. I'm going to write that down. Yeah,
0: I want to say his name is William Powers, but but Hamlet's Blackberry. It's an excellent book, um, and he takes basically a each chapter takes some ideas from, like, so one from Shakespeare, uh, might be one from Aristotle, but kind of a thinker, philosopher, and then relates it to to uh, our use of technology. But he gets really practical, and so some of my ideas were either drawn straight from him or influenced by him.
1: You know, I know you've seen this a thousand times. Uh, I, I hope it doesn't in any way date me. Uh, I'm, I'm of the older generation, but I have... Uh, all the devices. I love technology. I really do. I I, I have a Mac. I love I love Apple. Uh, I know that puts me in a certain category. So forget that. Um,
0: well, that's me too. I like the. Yeah, I
1: just yeah. do. I mean, it works, and uh, it's it's it rarely gives me a problem, and I understand it, and all of that. But you've seen this, and I you don't have to go far. We could go to a couple of blocks. Well, heck, we could go right outside our podcast recording room, and and there are students outside at the University of Kentucky Media Depot. I've seen families um, with 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 small children, uh, the, the 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 couple uh, that are with them. May, maybe there's a grandmother, grandfather, uh, uncle, aunt, whatever, sitting at the table. They're all on their devices. Yeah. I mean, this is at a restaurant. This is not you know before class. Right. And. And one time just recently I observed, and I know I'm being a, a gawker, <laughs> you know, somebody's <laughs> going to come over and smack me, I know, <laughs> yeah. mind your own business, but I'm just observing. I mm-hmm. mean, that's, that's what, uh, that's what we do. That's what I do. And, uh, there was very little, doc- and then when the food came, they stayed on their devices. Yeah. Now, most of the time. I put down my device when the food comes. <laughs> right. But they were on their devices uh, eating between, you know, a fork and, a, and their phone. Yeah. Fork and phone. Maybe we'll just start.
0: <laughs> right. Now you see that. I've seen I see students with, you know, computer up, maybe watching something on Netflix and their phone up at the same time. Um, but yeah, more, I mean, so that fragments our attention. That's something I talk about in that social media talk is there's a lot of evidence that distraction actually undermines sort of our subjective how we feel like our subjective sense of well-being if we're focused on one thing at a time we tend to just feel better subjectively speaking but yeah i think about relationships of course we see that in restaurants and i think we just have to remember it's like a lot of things we might have unintentionally developed a habit uh, and it's going to be hard to harder to break it intentionally, but it's under our power, right? So one thing that in Hamlet's BlackBerry and that we instituted when all our kids were home is, look at the dinner table, the phones aren't there. Um, now that doesn't mean they've, there have been times where you've had to remind them about that, um, but we can do that in our own lives, right? We can say, like for, I've started this is related to the phones and email, which was really, you know, back in the nineties when it came out and we were on America online, it was so exciting. You know, we we're emailing our friends from Kansas city and so cool. I was telling my guy I worked with yesterday, I hate email now <laughs> just because, you know, yeah. it just keeps coming. So yeah, no. I even have, I don't think it's in there right now, but occasionally I'll put a little tag on my email signature that I tend to avoid email from, you know, evenings and weekends yeah. just to get away. Um, Because I don't, you know, those times where you pull up an email at 9 at night just because you're messing around on your phone and it's something that you really didn't want to start thinking about till the next day at work. It
1: disturbs you. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So,
0: yeah, we've got to be intentional. And if, yeah, there's no other, there's no magic about it. It's just I'm going to choose when we go out to dinner with our family. We're going to leave our phones in the car, turn them off and put them in our pockets and just have a conversation.
1: Finally, on your um, becoming good and uh, the the mention of uh, of character and and how character still matters. Right, Michael?
0: It sure does. I think we can see that, um, you know, playing out in politics like it usually does. But in our own lives, you know, in daily life, um, as I work with. College students, coach high school students, right, and seeing seeing them get a picture of why character matters. Um, yeah, it matters in every realm, right? Every profession, every we, job. Can
1: can can good character be taught?
0: In a sense, I, I've been heavily influenced by Aristotle about this kind of thing, and like, and so I we do this in my classes. We'll talk about character traits, about how to become good according to him, and give some ideas. But even Aristotle said, "Look, you don't become courageous." sitting in a classroom talking about it and that's true any more than i can become good at you know driving a golf ball by sitting in a classroom and talking about it. you have to actually go out and practice is his idea um and there are really a lot of similarities and he uses some of these when he talks about cultivating character between athletic training and what you might think of as you know character training so to speak it's being intentional and he says if you want to be a generous person do some generous actions right and then you get in this sort of feedback loop where that that enhances your, your character trait of generosity, which then will lead you to do more generous actions, and it keeps feeding back on itself. Uh,
1: what are the uh, one or two best traits of good character?
0: That's good. I, I think the foundational one is what he might call, what he would call practical wisdom, because that's what helps you. That's an intellectual thing, but it's also very practical. So it helps me know when compassion is called for. Um, versus maybe a more tough love as we might say helps me know what's generous in this situation, right? Um, is it really generous to give X amount of money to this person or can I offer them my time instead or something like that? But wisdom is one. I think these days honesty is just really important mm. um, because that's the foundation of a good relationship of, of, of Being and just if you're not honest, there's a you might think of it There's sort of a fissure through all of your character um, and I would say maybe in our day, even though it's a little stereotypical to say it, I would say compassionate, actually important. Um, understanding, trying to understand things from someone else's point of view. It doesn't mean you have to agree with them, but just valuing other people because they're, they're human and they matter.
1: Uh, Michael Austin is a professor of philosophy at Eastern Kentucky University and a member of our Speakers Bureau. His, uh, his talks and he's available uh, for your uh, club, your civic group, your church, uh, your classroom. Uh, They're titled Social Media and the Pursuit of Happiness, uh, Becoming Good. And his reading list, uh, he will uh, include Aristotle and uh, Plato and, and many others that he'll pass along to you. Michael, thanks for being here.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it. Think Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities and is a production of the University of Kentucky College of Arts and Sciences. This podcast was created at the Media Depot. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud.